double toil and trouble. Some topics discussed may make people uncomfortable. For fair is foul and foul is fair. On this podcast, we will definitely swear. A lot. Now round the cauldron go, trigger warnings listed in the notes below. Thrice and once the hedge pig whined, the cocktails cry, it's time, it's time. By the pricking of my thumbs, something wicked this way comes. Maiden, mother, crone. Plot twist, we're all the crone. The stories aren't all made up and the points don't matter. Welcome listeners to The Weird Sisters, a podcast about the blurst and bizarre and all the things you were happier not knowing about. Hello. 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 Hi, team. Mm. How are we holding up? <laughs> that good, huh? Really good. My, guys, I'm in, I'm in bed. I've got the electric blanket on. I'm having Easter eggs. She's tucked in. How cold is it? I'm so cold here. Really? It's pretty yeah. cold here too. It is the best weather. It's so snuggly. It's been oh. really, really good. I want it to be snuggly. Having it a is... great time in ISO. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> some of us are, definitely. Um, yeah, the let's bad talk weather about... makes me feel less guilty for being indoors. Yeah. yeah. Does that make sense? If this was summer, like I was just reading an article yesterday about how in the UK people are going fucking crazy because it's like perfect summer weather and everyone mm-hmm. wants to go outside and sunbake and the police officers on horseback are like, go home. Yeah. <laughs> Be gone. Yeah, literally. So good. I'm like, I'm glad it's winter here because otherwise if people are going to the beach now, can you imagine what it would be like if it was the oh. middle of summer? <sighs> God, no, thank you. Beating people off the beach with sticks. <laughs> So irresponsible. I know. Stay home. I know. Yeah, I know. I've had fights with my parents about this. They are staying home. They just okay, they don't think they should have to. <laughs> At least they don't have the conspiracy theory that the government is doing it to mind control us. No, my mum thinks it was not a bat that it came from. She says that the uh, the like Center for Disease Control that's in Wuhan is quite close to where the outbreak supposedly was, and uh, there's she reckons it comes from a fish. I don't remember why but she does. <gasps> okay, oh, the plot yeah. thickens. The plot thickens. I don't know. I have no fucking idea. I'm just like we're all <laughs> fucked. Yeah, <laughs> and that's bad. And that's as much information as yeah. I need. Everyone's been on the internet too long. The 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 theories are sprouting. Everyone's yep. too bored. Nature is out of balance. <laughs> But it's getting back in balance because the human race is inside where they should be. <laughs> and now all the nature is returning. Um, Mum and dad had some extra nature uh, today because they forgot to mm. turn on their fence. So they woke up to their garden being full of cows. <laughs> um, Excellent. So that was nice. So then oh, mum had to charm and chase them out of the garden. But they're such pets. They took absolutely no notice of her. <laughs> cows have no concept of social distancing they do not no, they, they do, do not. what I they hope, please hope they didn't eat all her lovely garden oh uh, mm, yeah it's fine <laughs> it's cool it's fine. wouldn't it's be fine. the first time we're not really attached to our garden because something comes in and eats it <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm getting used to the idea with all the shit that barnaby is now eating in my house mm. um we should introduce ourselves Yes. Who are you? I am Tay, and I am the cut phone line when you're trying to call for help. Oh, I like it. <laughs> Very 90s. I'm into mm-hmm. it. 
I am Lacey and I am that mysterious cryptic message that was left behind. <gasps> oh, mm. you're the uh, Taman Should case. <laughs> yes. Yes. Mm. Um, and I'm Laura and I am your xenomorph dream daddy that's rolling through your head every day. I can't stop <laughs> thinking about him. It's fucked up. <laughs> um, Someone explain. make a dating sim. Oh, I really want someone to make Dream Daddy, but with a xenomorph skin. Please. Mod that. I, oh, I'm so upset. I had a dream about it. <laughs> a weird romantic situation last night where a xenomorph was wooing me and I was into it and I can't stop thinking about it. And you were trying to look really cute for the xenomorph. I was. I really wanted to wear my birthday party dress for him. It was fucking wild. <laughs> it's like a little kid's dress too. Like it was like a little yeah. pink tutu thing. And I was just an adult. Like this is appropriate. It sounds like something from a Rob Zombie film. Oh, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> like Sherry Moon would be wearing like a doll's dress. Mm-hmm. I would like Sherry Moon to play me in my uh, horror movie version of my life, please. I can see that. That's a very good <laughs> casting. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love Sherry Moon. She's so cute. Me too. So my lovely friend Luke is an artist and an all-around brilliant blessed person and he had some extra time on his hands and asked if he wanted um, if he could draw a little thing for us and I was like hell yeah. Mm -hmm. And It's um, so good. He drew a little witch doing a podcast. It's It's fucking awesome. It's so good. It's It's so good. It's on his gram. Yeah, it's, a rule it's about so it. good. Yes, it you can great. find him on Facebook at Luke Harrop Illustrations if you are so inclined. Yes. Check him out. Keep that uh, creative support flowing for all of us in ISO at the moment. Yeah, it's amazing. It made me feel very happy knowing there are people out there who are putting the, all this weird time to fun creative use. Yes, mm-hmm. it's my. <laughs> no, I'm just getting past it barely with assignments. Um, but I made the art my phone background, so every time I unlock my phone, I see it, and it makes me very happy. It's quite nice. And think of us, yeah. angelic voices. Yes. <laughs> I'm never going to let that die. We have angelic <laughs> voices. Someone oh. said it about us. It's going to <laughs> stay. Um, we have a new theme this week. Uh, it is dun 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 mass disappearances. Ta da! Because Ta-da! We, we have all disappeared, really. We have. Ooh. Going. It's like Feels 28 days later when you go out onto the street. It is, yeah. That's exactly what it's like. It, it is really eerie. You know? mm. There is a feeling in the air. Part of me, like the the part of me that's always wanted an apocalypse to happen, because I for some reason think that I'm tough enough to get through it. I'm definitely not. I will die like (laughs) instantly. I will be the first wave. Um, is really into it. Is like, baby, we have to go and get supplies. And he's Mm -hmm. like, you mean we need more toilet paper? I'm like, no supplies. (laughs) Guns, guns. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, okay, we can take the electric fly swatter if you want. I'm like, yes, we must take it. Um, so yeah, that's how exciting my life is right now, but, uh, it's pretty awful. My poor grandparents are going crazy. Everyone's going a little stir crazy. Yeah. So we thought we'd incorporate it into it. Um, we did also, it also was sort of sparked from a suggestion that we got from one of our listeners, Chevy, but, Mm. uh, we'll be doing something Mm. a little bit more tailored to what she asked for in the coming weeks. Yes. When we can be together as one. Yes. 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 
please let it only be weeks. <laughs> oh, God. I know. Alrighty. So, ladies. Yes. Have we heard of the Sodder family? Yeah! Yes! <laughs> you did this one! Yeah. I, I had a little bit of um, indecisiveness as a natural Libra. Uh, last night, I couldn't decide what to do. Very close to deadline, as always. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And uh, I was reading about uh, a bunch of different mass disappearances, but this one stuck in my head because it's so strange. So we're going with this one. Alrighty. So for those of you at home that don't know, in 1895, George Sodder, born Giorgio Sodu, and his wife Jenny immigrated from Sardinia to West Virginia. Um, so Sydney is in Italy, West Virginia is in America. Uh, the town of Fayetteville had a large population of Italian immigrants and the couple settled there in a two-story timber house. Um, George started a trucking company um, hauling coal and soil and the couple had their first child um, and then they proceeded to have nine more over the next 20 years. Oh, uh, they're flourishing, beautiful, prosperous life. <laughs> Um, they were liked within their community, and according to Wiki, quote, one of the most respected families in the town of Fayetteville. Hmm. Um, so they had a level of notoriety within the community. Um, but George wasn't in everyone's good books. <laughs> he was pretty vocal about his dislike for Mussolini, the uh, Prime Minister of Italy at the time. Notoriously fascist, by the way, for those playing at home. <laughs> <laughs> So he didn't fuck with Mussolini, and this didn't gel with some of the members of the Italian community, uh, unfortunately. Um, so that was all of between, like, 1895 and, I want to say, like, 1943. Because mm-hmm. then, the last sort of child, Sylvia, was born. So for some context and how large the age gap is, the second oldest son, Joe, was serving in World War II at the time of Sylvia being born. Whoa. And the oh. eldest son was 23 and he was at home. Shit, okay. Yes. Wow, that's a, that's a big gap. Big fam. <laughs> yeah. So we have Sylvia at the time of, of all of the supposed happenings was 20, was, no, she was two, Betty was five, Jenny was eight, Lewis was nine, Martha was 12, Maurice was 14, George Jr. was 16, Marion was 17, Joe was away at war, and John was 23. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, don't worry about trying to remember all these names. <laughs> Good. Thank Good. you. There's only a couple of key ones. So Sylvia, mm-hmm. Betty, and uh, Lewis are like the key kind of names that I will touch on again. Mm-hmm. But they all do matter. <laughs> okay. But those are the ones of note because they will be mentioned again. Um, so this was, so yeah, in 1943, Sylvia was born. 1944, Mussolini was executed. Um, George is probably thrilled. <laughs> yeah. But his neighbours, maybe not so much. Uh, so the following year, um, October 1945, a life insurance salesman visited the house after being told, nah, mate, because George was like, I don't want... I don't want what you're selling. Um, The salesman uh, said to George, your house is going to go up in smoke. Your children will be destroyed because of the dirty remarks you have made about Mussolini. Four. Okay. So, yeah. So zero to a hundred real fucking quick. (laughs) What? And then two months later, December 24th, um, a fire sparked inside the Sodder home, apparently due to faulty wiring. Merry Christmas, Mm. kids. (laughs) Jesus Christ, eh? Yeah. 
Um, so here's how it all went down. So Marion, who's uh, the eldest daughter, comes home from work Christmas Eve with some gifts for her younger sisters, Martha, Jenny, and Betty. They're all thrilled. Get fucked, everyone else, apparently. No one else got gifts. <laughs> no, she, they're her uh, favorite siblings. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the girls asked to stay up late, and they want to play. They're like, Mum, we just got the jackpot. Please let us stay up. And Mum's like, oh, yeah, sure, but Maurice and Louis have to go and tend the animals and do all the chores. They While you do Marie that, <laughs> make sure you'll turn off the lights when you're done. I'm going to bed. Um, <laughs> so she takes baby Sylvia upstairs and goes to bed. And this all happens around 10 p.m. Okay. And then a little after midnight, the phone rings. So mum goes downstairs to the office uh, to answer it. And there is a woman on the other end who's laughing and asking for somebody that doesn't live there. And there's like the sound of more laughter and clinking glasses in the background. And mum's like... Nah, mate, wrong number. <laughs> so she hung, hangs up and notices that the lights are still on and the curtains aren't drawn. So not good. She yeah. turns off the lights, she draws the curtains, she goes back to bed. Um, around 1am, uh, something loud hits the roof and uh, rolls down the corrugated tin. And this wakes up mum again. No more noises. She goes back to sleep. Thinks whatever, you know, things shit happens. Uh, I would do the same. There's always banging around on my roof. I have a very large family of fat possums on mine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about this a while ago with, um, yeah. like this morning. Well, this morning was this afternoon for me. My sleep cycle has been really fucked <laughs> by this shit. But um, I have a like recycling bin that's filled with tins. And yeah, uh, it uh, there was a big crash um, yeah. and it woke me up and I started to go back asleep. And then I was like, Nothing should be able to make that happen. What the yeah. fuck? Freaked out, thought maybe something was in my house or the rabbit had gotten out and done something mm-hmm. ridiculous and was in pain. So I like got up and looked and it just fallen over because I put it on top of something else because I'm dumb. Um, <laughs> but I was like, I was going to go back to sleep. What if there was someone in my fucking house? Like the only reason I did it is because I thought about my rabbit. Oh, <laughs> Otherwise sweet. I'd be like, if it kills me, I'm asleep. I won't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, like it's very relatable that jenny who's the mum is like she has like all these kids she's got a fucking two-year-old and every time she gets waken up she's like fuck off and she goes straight back to sleep like that's a, a mood 100%, yeah. like she's exhausted let the woman sleep <laughs> um but yeah she the bang wakes her up and it rolls like something rolls down the tin roof so she's like ah oh, whatever i'm just gonna go back to sleep and then half an hour later the house is filled with smoke mm. so jenny gets up to investigate she's like what the fuck and uh the office is ablaze it's concentrated around the phone and the fuse box but like it's it's up um so she runs back to wake george and this is where she hits the fan so they've got so many kids they're running back and forth trying to wake everyone up they get marion they get sylvia they get john they get george jr outside um so sylvia's the youngest and she's got the two like more older dudes and then they've got um marion is the oldest daughter yeah okay um they scream upstairs for their kids um there's no response because there was one of the bedrooms was in the attic um the hallway is an inferno at this point and the house burns and the christmas tree is still lit as their lives fall apart basically like it's the christmas eve the lights oh my God. yeah so phone's toast. Uh, Marion runs to the neighbor's house to find a phone that works. Um, George runs to grab his ladder to climb into the attic bedroom, but it isn't where he left it. It's normally leaning against the side of the house. Um, 
So he's like, whatever, fuck. He runs to grab one of his trucks, because he has two trucks, um, to drive it over to the side of the house so he can climb up on that. Both of them won't start. Mm. Um, the fire brigade doesn't arrive on the scene until 8 a.m., seven and a half hours after the blaze started. That's fucking wild. Isn't it was this only... like. Sorry, where is this? I don't know why, but for some reason, obviously, I can't remember. It's um, in West Virginia. So is it a small, small town? Um, so Fayetteville is, it's, it's, it's a pretty like solid town. The fact they have such a large collection of like, there's a big immigrant community and stuff. But this being said, the fire, like the firehouse was two and a half miles away from the house. What the fuck? Yes. Yeah. But I'm thinking like Christmas Eve. Yes. Yeah. So there's a whole, yeah, there's a whole rigmarole around the fact that the fire brigade didn't get there for ages. One was like, one theory I read was like, oh, it's wartime. There's not a lot of people available at the brigade. Mm. Um, one of, apparently one of the dudes that was at the fire brigade at the time couldn't drive. <laughs> so oh. he couldn't actually drive the truck. He had to wait till someone got there that could drive. And also like, apparently it was just like at a time where like, if no one's in the brigade ready to go, you have to like contact them at their home. Yep. And Still like, and then they're like a yeah. Tree, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then they have to get, get there and stuff. Like I live, like I can see there's a fire brigade. I, if I sit on my driveway, I can see it. Like it's like 20, 30 meters down the road. So I hear the siren all the time, but it is like that kind of thing. Like it's like the siren goes off and it's like, well, I have to wait for everyone to get here now. Cause it's very small. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, but, but still seven and a half hours is. A suspiciously large amount of time. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so the house burned to ash, and according to authorities, the children did too. So I call bullshit. <laughs> yeah. I did some research. To cremate a body, you must reach temperatures of over 760 degrees Celsius, which is double in Fahrenheit, about 1400 degrees. House fires, or property fires, as they're called in the insurance biz, burn at roughly 550 to 600 degrees Celsius or 1100 Fahrenheit. So it's still hot as hell, but it's not hot enough to burn bone. Not like to the point that it isn't any there. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah but even, so when, yeah, even in like the cremation things, you still get big pieces of bone that have to be yeah. crushed down to be fitted into mm. the urn. Yeah. So when people perish in house fires remains are left behind mm -hmm. bones dental records like jewelry something you cannot incinerate a body in open conditions like that so cremation chambers are controlled spaces that are able to reach necessary temperatures and they have the tools to again like do the cremation a house fire is exposed to the elements and doesn't get that hot hence bullshit <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a little bit off topic but you've just <clears throat> sort of sparked that brain worm yes i would really love for us to Set things on fire. Us to, well, hmm. <laughs> I'm down. Youthful dalliances, stop. <laughs> um, no, I was just thinking, and this is very close to your story that you did last year, Lacey. Um, I would love to look at this with spontaneous human combustion in mind. Um, because isn't, and Lacey, you probably could tell me because you're a freak for this. Yes. Um, isn't there often only like some body parts left and they're pristine, but there's nothing else? Like the feet. Yeah, it's the, or is it there's still skeleton left? It's because so when the body catches fire, whether it's like an like an internal or external accelerant or whatever it is, the fat in the body acts like a wick, and so that'll burn quite nicely. But you see, in the hands and the feet, 
there's not a lot of fat. But the reason the feet are always left is because the hands are usually in the lap or trying to pat their fire so they get burnt. So yeah. the feet left, um, that's a normal thing in, um, in that But is there usually skeletonized parts left behind? Absolutely, they... absolutely. Yeah, okay, yeah. cool, cool. Right. So for some reason in my head, I just keep thinking of, I forget his name, but the photo of the old gentleman's feet and slippers um yeah and i can't ever remember seeing it but there's a hole in the ground because he was on like a second story or something so i'm like maybe he just fell through and i just that's why i can't remember seeing the rest of him (laughs) grizzly sorry (laughs) it's okay no wait we love a little bit of side story if it's grizzly that's (laughs) fine um yeah but anyway uh so the coroner's office uh still issued death certificates for the five children on december 30th cause of death fire due to faulty wiring mm-hmm. uh grief-stricken uh george bulldozes the remains of the house and fills it with soil to plant a memorial garden the fire marshal's like nah dude we need to investigate but it's too late oh no yeah um so george and jenny could smell the bullshit as well they they were on top of it it just didn't add up. They believed that their children were very much alive. They'd been kidnapped. The fire being a diversion or a catalyst to set the plan in motion. So first sus clue, George had had the wiring inspected by the power company in autumn, only a few months prior after installing an electric stove. They had been like, Iguchi, it's fine. It's all in working order. Mm-hmm. Creepy insurance guy predicting the entire disaster only two months prior was also a juror on the inquest convened by the coroner to be like yep the evidence points to it being a house fire okay i didn't yeah. know that <laughs> yeah um so there are appliances left behind in the aftermath further debunking the claim that the fire was so hot it would have cremated the children mm-hmm. um the phone line hadn't been destroyed in the fire, but was cut at the telephone pole four and a half meters above the ground. That's what they needed the ladder for. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then George's ladder was later discovered thrown down a ditch 20 meters from the house. Fuck. Okay. Yeah. So it was still there. Yes. So there was all this sus shit going on. George and Jenny knew this all didn't add up. But they still planned the memorial garden and they carry on. Though they believed their children to be alive, they were still like grieving in a way mm-hmm. so papers report on the tragedy the word gets out and people start to come forward a bus driver had passed the Soda house on his route on christmas eve and claims to have seen people throwing balls of fire quote at the house so a few months later after the snow had melted sylvia the youngest had found a green like rubber ball in the scrub by the house and george described its appearance akin to a pineapple bomb which is like a napalm grenade yeah mm-hmm. Um, another witness claims to have actually seen the missing sort of children on the night of the fire. The woman says that she'd stood on the side of the road to watch the fire, as nosy neighbours do. (laughs) And the car drove past her and saw the children looking out of the window. Another woman said she had served the children breakfast on Christmas morning at a rest stop between Fayetteville and Charleston, which is in the next state over. Uh... A week after the fire, another witness outside of Charleston saw the children. They were accompanied by two men and two women, all of Italian extraction, quote. One of the men spoke to the children in very aggressive Italian, and the witness left all them Italian alone. All Italian is really aggressive. Yes. Extra aggressive. <laughs> yeah. This is true. Mm. It's a beautiful language. It is a beautiful but yes. language. It's just also very frightening. Mm. It is. I feel like it is. Yep. Being being yelled at is scary enough as it is, but being yelled at in a way that you don't understand would be even scarier. 
Um, so, yeah, so all of these people start to come forward. Uh, the Sodders pleaded with the FBI to help, but the Fayetteville police and fire department refused to cooperate. Suspicious. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, family- yeah. Sorry, I was just going to say, like, yeah. it is suspicious, but also there's, like, the opposite side of this, because this is something that popped up in my story this week a few times. Um, money. If, like... Mm-hmm. A small town, like it's not super small, Fayetteville, we've heard of it before, but mm. I don't know how big it was in the 40s, 50s, 60s sort of thing. And during a war, there mm-hmm. might not have been a lot of resources exactly. and they might not have, they might have been like, there's not enough reason for us to fucking follow this up. We don't have the money to do it, you know, like, so it yes. is suspicious, but at the same time, it's also kind of not. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But the rest of it makes it super suspicious. Mm-hmm. So the family took investigations into their own hands. So with the help of a PI, they discovered they discovered through that PI that the salesman who had threatened George in, in 1945 was indeed on the jury at the inquest. So that's kind of like fueling it. it shitty way to describe it. It is fueling their fire. Yeah. <laughs> like they want to. They want to know. So this is like this connection motivates them to like follow their hunches, basically. Um, so George follows leads all across the country. Uh, someone claimed that Martha uh, was being held in a convent, a, con- uh, a, a convent, <laughs> a, a convent <laughs> in St. Louis. Uh, George saw a photograph of a young girl in a magazine. Uh, the photo was taken in New York um, at a at a school that looked like his young daughter, Betty. He drove all the way to the school and demanded to see her, but he was refused. Fair. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. Some dude gonna... just shows up at the school like, show me the girl. Yeah. So we're going to fast forward a little bit to 1967. So George drove to Houston to investigate a claim from a woman that his son, Louis, had confessed his true identity to her after too much to drink. She had written to the sodders with her claim but george was unable to speak with her or find her upon arriving Hmm. um and then the sodders received another letter the same year that contained a photograph of a man in his 30s who looked exactly like louis um on the back was written louis sodder and a bunch of cryptic shit so it said i love brother frankie um lily boys a90132 or 35 Okay. So I was a little curious as to what all of that meant. So I did a little bit of sleuthing Ooh. on websleuth.com. Yes. <laughs> and this websleuth.com is actually pretty cool. This is where I fell down the rabbit hole of like research because it's like people, just people, it's kind of like Reddit, how people, but it's a message board and it's like people trying to solve un, like cold cases, basically. Nice. And apparently there was like a whole post because someone was like, what does the stuff on the back of the photo mean? And apparently um, there's a there's a, a, a dialect of Italian or there's a way of writing a certain way where T's aren't crossed. Oh. And um, Lily boys could have been misspelt as Italy boys, but I-T-L-I. Oh, okay. Yeah. Aww. And um, the A90132 could have either been like a Canadian uh, area code or there's like a way, there's another way of writing in a certain dialect of Italian where at A means like 
at. Yeah. And then OR means like something else. And it's like, it could have been like, um, like something to do with like a war register number or something like that. Like, and then people were trying to like, what does brother Frankie mean? And some people were like, oh, it could have been a teacher at a Catholic school as in like brother who's like, yeah, like a priest. Yes. Devoted themselves to God, but hasn't taken the full jump. And it was just this whole rabbit hole. So if you do have time and you want to go on, uh, websleuth.com, I highly recommend it. It's very, very interesting. Also this photo of Louis Soda, very handsome. Mm. I think stunning boy stunning because yeah. <laughs> when the fire happened Louis was about nine so it's about 23 years later so mid early 30s this is very much could have been him and when you see the picture on file of Louis as a young boy and this supposed Louis in the photo they look very similar yeah like it's it's quite uncanny <laughs> so I can understand why the Sodders were like, holy fucking shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they hired another PI to investigate this because um, the letter was postmarked from Kentucky, but there was no return address. Um, the PI went to investigate and he disappeared. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. That's right. I remember reading about that. I was like, yeah. oh, so he just took your fucking money. That's so sad. Like, maybe. Like, I don't know, did he fuck off with the money? But then, like, he has a reputation as a PI. I don't know. Was he just a con man? Like, we don't know. Um, And there wasn't, like, a lot of info on the dude. So it's just like, oh, yeah, he disappeared and no one seems to give a shit. (laughs) So, yeah. That's fine. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So the family took the photo that they were sent and they they had started like a bunch of these billboards being like, if you have any information on our kids, please tell us. And so they put the photo of louis on the billboard as well along with the plea for like any info please let us know there's a five thousand dollar reward i believe that was doubled at one point and for like the 60s like five grand is a lot of money oh yeah yeah Yeah. um so george died in 1969 not too long after must have been Um, so stressful (laughs) yeah like it got him early Mm. um yeah, so that was like two years after the photo. They received the photo. He died. Um, and then Jenny died 20 years later, which is really sad. But she tended to that memorial garden every day, which is very sweet. Um, Sylvia, the youngest sort of child and last known living, promised to carry out her parents' investigation and not let the story die. Um, the five missing sort of children have not yet been found. Yeah. That's fucking dark and yeah. sad. It's really Holy dark. Shit. There's a couple of theories online. Yeah. One, one, one is all kind of like around the fact that he, George was so vocal about him not fucking with Mussolini and it was World War II. So everyone was just like super high strung and like, I guess it's just a really politically driven time. So anyone shitting on anyone... I feel like would give someone enough motivation to fuck with them. So, so George the, was like, Mussolini is amazing. No, Mus- <gasps> he, ha- he no. hated Mussolini. Yeah. He didn't fuck with him at all. He was like, he's the worst. He's a fascist. He's the worst. And there was a lot of um, Italian-Americans at the time who were like, no. <laughs> How dare you? Yeah. Yeah. But it's then 
Yeah. It's also interesting to see. So what was his um, proper, like, Italian surname? Uh, it's, let me scroll up. It was Sodu, S-O-D-D-U. Sodu. So, so he's changed it to a more English Soda. Yeah. yeah. As a lot so of people was... did because if you were Italian or German at that time, mm. you also couldn't serve. So her son with that Italian last name wouldn't have been able to serve in the army. Yes. If he had so that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So because his yeah he also was his name was Giorgio so George, George yeah. is like the and all of the um the kids have like quite American you know names yeah like John Martha mm. Jenny Betty they're all very like yeah they're very yeah. um white picket fence American yeah. names aren't yeah. They? Like, yeah. the one that is serving Joe is, like, the most white bread American name, Joe Sodder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the theory that, like, there, there was one that was raised online that it was the Sicilian Mafia. But, like, why? I read it a little bit deeper because I was like, why? The Sicilian Mafia did not fuck with Mussolini. They actually, the, a lot of the, like, I guess you could call the Mafia families at the time was, like, were, like, working with allied forces against Mussolini. Oh, <laughs> like it wasn't was the mafia. Up their whole operation. Yeah. There. yeah. They wanted to do, do their shit and he wouldn't let them. So it's like yeah. no 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 no. But then again, there there could very much have been like members of the community in Fayetteville who were like fuck you. But like enough to take kids is pretty harsh. But like yeah. Why like I know this is going to be dark. Like <laughs> five kids just kill them, right? Who needs right? five kids? Yeah. Right? To send yeah. a message, burning down a house where they're maybe dead, maybe not, like, yeah. I don't know, maybe it doesn't seem like the style of a, a group of, an organisation that's all about being ballsy as fuck and then being like, we didn't do shit. And then yeah. everyone would be like, no, no, you never did anything. Of course not, even though we watched you do it. Yeah. So we're too fucking scared to say shit. You wouldn't leave the rest of the family around. You know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it seems know. weird. Yeah. But I don't know. I am not fucking an aficionado when it comes to organised crime. Who knows? <laughs> we don't know. But um, that is the mysterious disappearance of five of the ten Sodder children. <gasps> oh, it's so wild. Yeah. I, I There's so many details in this. I got caught up in it, but I don't know if you mentioned the heart. Oh, oh, I didn't. Yeah. That was there's a oh. whole nother yes, there's a whole nother fucking chapter of a heart and some bones. So that stuff always yeah. makes me go like, what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> like that was like a whole. So yeah. So for those who don't know, um, apparently they had found a human heart in the remains, and um, Jenny's a relative of Jenny, the mother Jenny, um, worked for the fire department and had taken the supposed heart and buried it. But then when it was dug up, it was found to not be a heart. It was quite a fresh cow's liver and it had not touched heat at all. And he had done it so in a way to lie and give them closure so they could let it go, which is pretty fucked up. That is fucked up. Yes. And there was, there was also, yeah. I was going to say, there's a whole, also just a whole other kettle of fish was the fact they'd found bones in the garden, but it had later been debunked because George's job is hauling soil. The soil mm. he had taken was from the local cemetery where he was doing a job and there was human remains in the soil that did not match 
with the age range of any of the children. Yeah. Yeah. That were missing. Wild. Just to fuck with them some more. <laughs> like, all this happenstance <laughs> around it as well is just making it worse. See, I think that the parents did it. Do you really? Mm. <gasps> Why? I Interesting. A lot of the evidence is, well, back to the children. Who wants to get rid of the children? The parents do. They have five. They have ten of them. So get rid of half of them. That seems more, like, plausible to me. All of the evidence. So he says the ladder didn't wasn't there. He said mm. the, um, like exactly what the insurance man said, which, yeah. you know, a lot of the evidence is based on what the parents have said. Oh, huh, interesting. So do you think um, them like going crazy trying to find them over the years afterwards is just sort of like a way to to be like, yeah, we definitely didn't do it. Look how hard we want to find our kids. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hmm. That's an interesting that take one. that I did not consider. Mm. Yeah. Because no, all of the evidence doesn't like paint it that way. Yeah. So I'm just like taking it at face value. Hmm. Interesting. Mm. That's um, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I have some sources. Yeah. Sources. We've got websleuths.com. Yes. Uh, good old wiki, just to give me the rundown. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Elemental cremation and burial. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. um, there's some cool little threads I found on Cora. Mm-hmm. And unresolved mysteries on Reddit. Thank Lovely. Thank you, Reddit. Thank you, Reddit. Thank you, Hags. Thank you. That story was dope. I love it. I love it so much. You can, there's some that you like hear about over and over, but even though you know nothing new has happened, you go back to the Wikipedia page every couple of years just to be like, that's right. I want to remember yeah. this. I want to mm-hmm. know about this again. 100%. Hmm. All the horrible things sort of blur together in your head after a while. Yes. <laughs> Getting the, the info mixed up. Was this the one about the burnt kids or is this the one about the... Oh, no, it was... Okay, the burnt kids. Okay, cool. I always get uh, the Sutter children and the Beaumont children. Like, is that the one from Adelaide? Yes. Yes. What? But they're different. <laughs> so yeah, different. Yeah, but they have... I know, but it's like missing kids. There's so many versions of missing kids. Um, and it's just like, yeah, just a bunch of kids that disappeared. And mm. the yes. circumstances around it are different, sure. But at the end of the day, someone's missing. Yeah. And it's just a group of them and it's mysterious circumstances. Yeah. Mm. There's so many. There's like hundreds upon hundreds so of them. So just like, well, I don't know anymore. Yeah, those sort of children are definitely buried in that cemetery. <laughs> I mean, he could have used his own fucking trucks. True. True. What, do you oh, reckon God. that, like, they were indiscriminate about which kids they got rid of? Or were they like, hmm, well, Joe's at war, so we can't do shit about we can't him. Do shit. We can't days. kill him. He'll probably die over there. Like, let's, let's be fingers crossed. Um, the baby, because we are like mm-hmm. a baby. Yeah, she just got rid of the kids she hated. Done. Fuck. <laughs> the bratty ones who played with the toys. Yeah, fuck them. That was their last night of good, good fun. And you know, until they went to the cemetery <gasps> with their dad. Fuck. Just paints it in a whole new light. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Interesting. I must rethink everything. <laughs> Amazing. I've done such a one eighty in the space of thirty minutes. This is huge. <laughs> No. <laughs> Tell us again from the start. <laughs> <laughs> from the top. From the top. We now need to analyze it from this point of view. <laughs> Who's next, Hags? It is I. Take it away. Ooh. Okay, guys. 
Today we are going to explore America's oldest mystery, the disappearance of the Roanoke colony. Yay! Yay! So full disclosure, I know nothing about Good. Roanoke. Keep it that Ab- way. Honestly, <laughs> not a single detail except American Horror Story did a season on it and I don't know what the season is about. Oh, they did a really dumb season on it. It sucks. They could have <laughs> done it. They could have done it better, I think. But, you know. Okay. Well, I have like I just think it's quite funny that I've gone my entire teen and adult life being obsessed with this shit and never reading about it. It's so funny the ones you miss. Yeah, right. So I'm very excited for this one. Laura, do you listening along? Much about it? Oh fuck yeah, I love. (laughs) I'm like a freak for these sort of things. This is one of the ones that would have popped up when I was a kid renting out books at the library. Yeah, that's like that's where I weirdest ghost stories and mysteries you never knew about. Yes, like they were priming me for this. I have had a long, <laughs> sordid history with creepy shit and staying up late and not being able to sleep because I scared myself. Oh, dead. yeah. Yeah. Um, and the school library had a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is me too. All right. <laughs> Why would you stop that book? Anyway, continue. Because <laughs> <laughs> the teachers wanted to read it. Um, yeah. Okay. So the disappearance has acquired hundreds of theories, but the 433-year-old mystery remains unsolved to this day. So it'll be 433 years uh, this July. So Yeah. I did math for this, guys. (laughs) All right. Well done. Guys, a little introduction to the Elizabethan world. (gasps) Yes, please take us on this journey. Um, Water was so contaminated that people drank ale or wine um, or breast milk. Some people never had water. That's how contaminated it was. Oh, their skin. <gasps> Men wore oh. overly stuffed uh, cod pieces as it was very fashionable to look like you had a massive boner. Like just a just, a just a huge hog. Yeah. Everyone wanted to be William Defoe. <laughs> <laughs> what is oh. it? What how how is it described as alarmingly large? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, or something like that. It's like uncomfortably large. It's threateningly large. Threatening That's large, it. Yeah. You guys have oh. seen the gif, yeah. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. It's probably safe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I look it up every so often just for funsies. I loved when La was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, have I got something for you? Let me show you. <laughs> Let me smack those... you in the face with it. And for those of you who don't know, uh, there is a gif that you can easily Google um, of Willem Dafoe dancing naked on a set of a movie with a, a woman, and he has a very upsettingly big penis. And it's his penis. And it's, yeah. and it's yeah, it just, is. it's just not, it's not even at half mast. I wonder if he's a grower. He might just be a shower. I don't know. <gasps> oh, God. Like, Maybe. So many questions. I, I'm anyway, uncomfortable away from this. <laughs> back to no, this. No, let's talk about Antichrist where we have to see. Oh, Christ. And, <laughs> and it gets crushed by a block of wood. Ah. Uh, anyway, sorry. Sorry, continue. Okay. Um, da, 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 massive boner. Tomatoes <laughs> were considered poisonous and Great. a redhead sat on the throne of England, as it should be, I think. <laughs> <laughs> So in 1587, so this is for the millennial timeline. This was 20 years before John Smith and Pocahontas painted with all the colours of the wind. Just to get <laughs> you mean when John Smith had a weird relationship with a 13-year-old? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, history. 20 years before, before the weird okay. relationship. Okay. okay. 
So Governor John White took 115 colonists from England to establish a community on Roanoke Island off the coast of what is now North Carolina. Mm-hmm. The colony was made up of 87 men, 17 women, and 11 children. Oh. So, yeah, I would assume all those 17 women were married to some of those dudes, you know. Yeah. Because there ain't a lot of them to share around. Everyone's, and everyone's walking around with massive hogs. Massive yeah. hogs. <laughs> Not eating tomatoes. <laughs> So how much would it suck to be the other fucking what seventeen out of eighty seven you know fifty yeah. odd people there who are just like fuck I just who want are, wife. have no one to bang yeah I know just jerking it so right like, those yeah, erections were I real guess. guys yeah they were, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so on the way across one of their ships from their fleet struck a shoal and lost a lot of its cargo so when the colony oh. arrived after four months at sea they were dangerously low on food and supplies. And they're also under attack from the Native Americans who weren't really super pleased about them being there. Fair. Yep. Yeah, they shouldn't have been. No. No. So within the first month of arrival, the governor decided to make the trip back to England, um, intending to return with more supplies and more people. Um, And one of the people John White left behind was his daughter, Eleanor White Dare, who had just given birth to a baby girl called Virginia Dare, the first baby born to English parents in America. She was the first white baby born in America. That we know of. That we know of. Yeah. I I was going to say, because hadn't the Dutch um, been to America uh, like many, many years before? No, it was... um, uh, He was... Oh, he was Scandinavian, the guy who discovered America. Christopher Columbus took credit for it, but this guy discovered yeah. it back in 10-something or other. And was yeah, like, I no. I can never remember if this is legit because it's something Neil Gaiman wrote a short story about, but um, they think there may have been Viking longships that uh, oh, yeah, no, that that's, discovered that's like, legit. remnants of them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, That's cool. That's really cool. Um, but, like, that was like a long fucking time oh, before yeah. Christopher oh, Columbus came yeah. along. I think the first English-born. was when um, he discovered America. Um, Okay, so unfortunately his trip was postponed because England uh, decided that they were at war with Spain. And by order of Queen Elizabeth, all of the ships were commandeered to fight the Spanish Armada, who were at the time the biggest fucking threat in the water. Um, So by the time John White actually made it back to Roanoke Island with all the supplies and all the people, three years had passed. So he'd left them alone under attack by Native Americans without a lot of food or supplies for that long. Um, yeah, that's a hot minute. That's like when you're like, he's not coming back. No. Watching yeah. him sail off into the distance, you're like, we're never going to see that guy again. Yeah. So, as, as someone who's spending isolation glued to their phone, craving any kind of communication, even if it's just a like on a post that gives oh. me a fleeting second of serotonin, uh, the fact that they didn't hear from them for three years fucks me up beyond belief mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. like that's so crazy yeah there is no zoom meeting to have with no England. so unsurprisingly he came back <laughs> and found that the whole colony had completely vanished the only clues left was the word croatoan etched into a tree and another word c-r-o which is the side of croatoan etched into a um pole and a single skeleton just one just oh. the one. I don't know who it was. No. 
Well, they well like they know it's like Anglo male, like they okay. can't okay. really go far from there. Um, so Croatoan was a name of both a nearby a Native American tribe and also an island, um, which was inhabited by that tribe, which was south of Roanoke. So the people, so the Native Americans that were attacking the Roanoke colony were the Roanoke um, Native Americans, two different tribes. Mm-hmm. So the main theory is that, um, or what John White thought was that they'd moved to Croatoan Island to escape the Roanoke tribe. Maybe the Croatoans were better than the Roanoke tribe. Um, uh, so John White tried to sail to Croatoan Island uh, twice uh, to try and get there, but they were stopped by huge storms. And because the ships that he was on were privately owned, he had to, he couldn't like just wreck them. Right, couldn't run them aground. Mm. <laughs> That's what you do. Yeah. <laughs> um, so John White uh, returned to England and lived out the rest of his days, never knowing what happened to his family. Sad. That's devastatingly sad. That's super sad. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. Anyway, so the <gasps> theories are. <laughs> so the most <laughs> obvious one um, is that. They tried. They tried to sail back to England, but were lost at sea. But like, that's boring. So, um, <laughs> yeah, other theories so. are alien abduction. Of course, I naturally. like that one. Where else do you go? <laughs> Witchcraft. Oh, <laughs> Ooh, like I like that, that one too. too. I'm into that. Um, uh, there was a lot of like the Native Americans believed that there were witches that lived in the woods there. So you know, they killed them. Um. Another one was just that they were transformed into trees. Oh, annihilation style. Okay, we get that. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. like it. I'm into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's true. The science adds up. The wind. Grandma Willow. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Trying to tell us something. Disney knows. Uh huh. Uh huh. They do. They do. Um, uh, also, the there were reports from various uh, other tribes that observed the Roanoke colony uh, that there was a lot of infighting in the colony itself. That you know, you know, so a lot of people, a lot of the Native Americans believed that the colonists had been partaking in a little thing we like to call cannibalism, and, oh. and their bodies had been taken over by a Wendigo. So oh, when people eat oh. human flesh, their body turns into a monster. Um, yes. It's called Priam's disease, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a whole nother terrifying uh, yeah. kettle of fish there. <laughs> so according to local belief, windigos don't die. They are still alive roaming the woods of North Carolina. And that's why there's no bodies. That's what <gasps> is the creature in Pet Cemetery. Mm. Mm. Spoilers. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> it's a 20-year-old it's, movie it's... and like a 40-year-old book. <laughs> but still, Look, we if you that. haven't done it by now, too late. Yes. <laughs> Um, another one is like a disease, um, especially if it was like leading to the, you know, for the mental health to suffer. So this could have led to like violent paranoia and intense things and eating each other, that kind of nice stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, the two main ones that, um, well, the three main ones were that they were assimilated into a Native American tribe because there were evidence of Native Americans a couple of years down the road having grey eyes. Oh. Which, wouldn't that be stunning? Yeah. Yes. God, yes. Um, also, uh, they might have been murdered by Pocahontas' dad. 
Oh my God. Chief Powhatan um, confessed to John Smith that he was responsible for the execution of an entire colony. And seeing as they were only missing one at the time, we can guess that it might have been Roanoke. Huh. That's <laughs> um, really interesting. I like it. Marvel Universe, you know, tie-in. Get it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Disney's um, covering it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, so have you, any of you heard of Sir Walter Raleigh? No. That's 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 ringing a bell so deep and dark in my head. I maybe excellent. Continue. He was a very important man. Um, so the charter of the colony of Virginia, like the whole sort of state, um, mm. was given to Sir Walter Raleigh by uh, Queen Elizabeth, and mm. he was kind of responsible for what going on, like went on. And they were trying to colonize America because, of course, they were having this that problem with the Spanish. Um, yep. Yes. Yeah. So, who were already in Florida and fucking stuff up down there. So, they were trying to colonize as much as possible. Yeah. So That's it right. It could... was like a race at the time, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, one of the biggest theories is the colony was sabotaged by the political enemies of Sir Walter Raleigh to undermine him. Oh. So, Sir Walter Raleigh was a writer, poet, spy, soldier, politician, courtier, and explorer. He was what a also, repertoire. He yeah, is no, also right. the guy who brought tobacco and potatoes to the UK. So every That's time where you're I've heard his a name. Chip and a cigarette <laughs> at the same time. So Walter Raleigh is present. Um, Mate, it's also who you, um, experts credit uh, many of Shakespeare's works. They think that he wrote all those plays. <gasps> Yeah, ah, mm-hmm. cool. that's that's as I've that's where I've heard. I didn't know they were the same dude. Wait, yeah. fucking yeah. look at him go! And also, um, he was also super duper, definitely, absolutely, completely, unquestionably, allegedly banging the Virgin Queen of England. Um, oh, <laughs> so what a king! I know, right? But he couldn't be king <laughs> because be. she didn't. No. She didn't marry. She didn't want to marry anybody because she wanted to be in control. So this made oh, yeah. him similar How to the king because he was banging her. So mm-hmm. that's like it was a huge power grab. So that's why maybe the colony was set up that way. Mm. In closing, the Croatoan and Roanoke Islands have been like excavated, Jesus, like almost every year since 1960. Oh, so wow. far, archaeologists have found no evidence of like any grave, any mass graves, or any like Anglo existence. Mm-hmm. around the time that they should have been there. So they found, okay. like, bits of pots and some jewellery and things like that, but they have been, like, uh, dated to, like, further along in history, so it's not the same okay. people. Right. So apart from that one skeleton, no other bodies have ever been found. <gasps> and, no, like, there's, there's nowhere. In the islands aren't that big. Like, they would have found them. Um, and that is the disappearance of the Roanoke colony. <gasps> that's so cool mm-hmm. yeah i love that one it's fucking wild it's so interesting i'm gonna have to go and have a further deep dive after this thank you that's what pisses me out about the american horror story season of mm. it it's like it's such an interesting story and you gave us that trash mm. Ugh. i'll probably I... watch the trash <laughs> yeah definitely watch it like yeah. um the thing that i always find with that show is i start off being invested because it's kind of cool and there's a big production yes. value and everything yeah and then slowly over time i realize i hate all these characters and i actually actively want them to die but i don't care enough to stay here and watch it mm. so i'm yes. just gonna turn it off but i'm like eight episodes deep and i never finish a season i literally haven't finished one 
But I've started watching all of them. Yeah. Yeah. I think I finished Murder House. I lose steam. They all, all the seasons seem to lose a little bit of steam. Yeah. They do, they really do. I've seen the first, like, four seasons, I think. The most I've watched is probably Hotel, which has Lady Gaga in it, because I have a weird thing for her, and I really wanted to see her. Oh, the character. (laughs) That's very nice. Yeah. 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 It was nice. It was a good time. Um, But yeah, just, they have too many weird plot lines going on. They don't resolve satisfactorily, so you're just like, whatever, I don't care. It's kind of one of those... Um, TV shows that they should have like you know put everything out on the table and been like we don't need this and we don't need that yes we don't need that just you don't need just... 24 episodes in a season that are an hour long each for no. a start no oh, that know. feels like a yeah. trap that uh, a lot of American television seems to fall into 100% uh, yeah um, anyway yeah. sources before I totally yes. forget guys <laughs> okay, so Wikipedia, yes. Yes. Britannica, history.com, yes. littlethings.com, nationalgeographic.com. ACO went for like high fucking highbrow stuff to get you this good Ooh. shit. Um, Proud also, of you. <laughs> and then some lowbrow, um, BuzzFeed Unsolved. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, the lowest of the brow, but we love it anyway. The lowest of the brow. Um, the only BuzzFeed thing I watch now is uh, Shane and Ryan, um, and they did the mysterious appearance of the Roanoke Colony. Um, they had different theories and the ones that I focused on. Okay. So if so you're still you worth to... watching. Yeah, still worth watching um, if you want to... Yeah, because Ryan that. would have fucking glommed onto that UFO shit like nothing else. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so that is Roanoke. Thank, Thank you! Thank you! Very keen. I loved it. I had a great time. Cheers. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you for the journey. Yes. Laura. Your yeah, um, mine's a bit weird. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not. I picked this because I don't know where else to put it, and I really okay. want to do it. Okay. Um, do you guys know much about missing four one one? Zero. Zero. I, oh, I know nothing. I don't even know what it is. I went on a huge deep dive. Yeah, because I told you about it uh, when we first met. I think and when I was we like, first look met, at this, and then I couldn't <laughs> yeah. stop. But I love it so much. I mean, and there's so much that you kind of can't. You, you can't. You can't know all the stories. Like you can't. No. So yeah. No, you can't. Into it. Um, also, can you guys hear me eating Easter eggs? No, but oh, I nice. would like an Easter egg now. I have, have to wait. Easter- oh, that's right. You're. Grandma yes, my one. sweet grandmother dropped one off on my doorstep at a very acceptable social distance this morning. It was very <laughs> sweet. Bless her. All right, now I can on. hear you eating something, whatever you do. Fuck. Hang on a second. Come, I'll cover my mic. You carry on. Okay. <laughs> um, all right, so cool. So this is a thing that I stumbled on a couple of years ago. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm going to try and, like, introduce it, and then we'll just go through a couple of cases. Okay. Uh, so there's there's so much that if I start going on for too long, y'all are going to need to be like, shut the fuck up, we get the picture. <laughs> um, Never. So we're going to start with David Paulitis, um, and he's sort of like the man for this. Uh, there has eventually popped up something called the Can-Am Missing Project, um, and we'll talk a little bit about that at the very end, but uh, pretty much all of this is David. Okay. So Paulitis is, Paulitis, bleh, is a former police detective. Uh, he spent 20 years in the California Municipal Department. Mm-hmm. Um, he left the force and became an author. 
Uh, and while he was visiting a national park for research for one of his books, uh, a park ranger who knew of him already approached him and asked him to investigate a number of missing persons cases that had taken place in the park. Um, they felt that the cases had like significant similarities, were unusual, and they'd experienced difficulty getting any further information. Um, and basically it had gotten to the point where they were frustrated and wanted someone on the outside to investigate it for them. Hmm. Uh, and Pilatus agreed and said he would do it. So I'm going to tell you the things that they have in common because these are things to listen out for in each of these cases. Okay. So basically, each case involves uh, people, typically hikers, who go missing in North American national parks. Um, Over the years, because he's been doing this for quite a while now, he's expanded it to international parks. But Mm -hmm. most of these, I've focused all of these on the North American ones, because that's where he spent most of his time doing Mm -hmm. this. They're of all ages. Um... They start, some, many of them often are living with a disability or have an illness of some sort when they go missing. Okay. Uh, the point of separation is where the victim disappears. So the victim very rarely goes out alone. They usually go out with others. They wander away from them. And the most common time they wander away is in the afternoon. And they are missing from that moment. So yep. it's not like they lose track of them and a couple of hours later realize, oh, fuck, we haven't seen him for a while. They disappear, they turn around, they are gone. Uh, (gasps) It's wild. So uh, other factors that we see a lot in these cases is canine units can't track them or they lose the scent. Yep. Um, They are often lost near water or near boulder fields. Um, So like rock fields sort of thing Mm -hmm. or like the side of a mountain that's just loose scree and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, weather events often disrupt the search or take place when the victim disappears, like random weather events that suddenly are really intense. Mm-hmm. Uh, geographically, they are clustered in certain areas. Um, if they are found and if they are dead, the cause of death is unknown uh, and they often are missing clothing. They're often found many, many miles away over difficult terrain from where they disappeared. And if they are located, it's usually one to a couple of years later, in locations that were searched many, many times. Oh. Yeah, so it hmm. seems like a pretty broad set of rules. Like, you so in the parks. Some of those it was so spooky. If we well, ever release our forest episode. <laughs> that just the Bennington Triangle. That's just it. <laughs> well, it comes into it, actually. There are some cases that it is a cluster. Um, so there are some things that eliminate immediately from being a missing 411 case because this is what he calls these cases they're part of the missing 411 thing so if their victim has a history of mental illness of any kind he eliminates it immediately Mm -hmm. Uh, if they have a voluntary disappearance as a possibility he'll eliminate it criminal activity in their background eliminated and if there's any sign of animal predation whatsoever he eliminates it Mm -hmm. hmm yeah, so those are very basic. Doesn't sound that interesting, but it starts to get a bit fucking weird. Yes. I'm so ready. I watched a couple of documentaries on it because mm-hmm. um, there are two, and I paid to watch these, by the way. So. Oh wow, you got the yeah. real research. <laughs> I did. I paid like twelve dollars to watch two documentaries that Politis produced. <laughs> Um, so the one that they start with in the first documentary is uh, a two-year-old boy called Dior Kunz. 
Um, he's Dior Kun's junior. His dad is also called Dior. Uh, so they were camping at Timber Creek Campground in the Salmon Chalice National Forest in Idaho. Uh, it's a small remote town called Lador. He was with his father, uh, his mother, uh, Jessica, um, Jessica's grandpa, Bob, and Bob's good friend, Isaac. There are no other campers around at all. They arrive late at the campground. They park the trailer by the creek, pitch their tent, and then they go to sleep. Um, the next day, they go and get supplies from the general store. So little Dior, big Dior, and Jessica, the mum. Yep. And they leave Grandpa and Isaac behind. Uh, when they get back, Grandpa and Isaac have some fish that they claim they caught in the creek. And the dad doesn't believe they caught the fish themselves and asks <laughs> to go and see where they caught it from. <laughs> so basically, Dior Senior, Isaac, and Jessica go to the fishing spot. And little Dior starts to follow them for a few feet. And then he turns around and heads back to camp. And they assume Grandpa is watching over Dior. And Mum Jessica keeps turning around to make sure he was not following them. Once they were sure he wasn't, they basically walk about 45 metres along the creek and look at this spot where there are fish for 10 to 15 minutes. Right. They head back to get Junior, uh, Dior Junior, to show them because um, there's little fish. You'll want to see it. Uh, and they get back and ask Grandpa where he is. He says he's right here and he's not there. Oh. oh yeah exactly no. just gone so they search for 20 minutes there's no luck grandpa claims he never went inside his trailer Dior was right next to him and his mother immediately calls 911 within an hour of his disappearance um, so Dior disappeared five years ago on July 10th in 2015 uh, it's they spend like a thousand ten thousand man hours over extremely rugged terrain uh, basically doing what they call a five set search you take five steps, you look up, you look down, you look around, and then you take another five steps. And you oh, do wow. it in a formation where basically it's the 1.5 meter rule of social distancing. You spread your arms out mm-hmm. and you touch fingers with the person next to you who also has their arms spread out. And you just do, all do that. So okay, romantic. so it's like a, a sweep. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, even though you think that, you know, <laughs> there's... You're not, like, there's not that many people walking over it aren't going to miss anything. They're literally staring at the ground, looking around okay. constantly. Um, so there's 200 plus searches the day after he went missing looking for him. There are horses, dirt bikes, people on foot. Um, there are people crawling through the creek, like literally inside the creek. It's okay. not particularly deep and it's quite small. Mm-hmm. Um, they check wolf dens, they check bear dens, they check eagle nests because he is actually just small enough to be picked up by an eagle. Oh. <sighs> Um, if an animal took him, authorities confirm there must be some sort of remains left behind, like blood or bone or clothing. Mm -hmm. Eventually they would find it, even if it was like, say he was picked up and taken into a nest, eventually the nest would disintegrate and his clothing or something would be left behind, or at least, you know, they can't just completely consume a small child and have nothing left behind. Yeah. Um... So in June of 2019, last year, three different cadaver dogs alerted to human remains at the campground where he went missing, and a small piece of bone was found. But in March 2020, the county sheriff confirmed there was no human DNA recovered from the remains. So, not a human bone? Well, they can't find any human DNA on it, which seems more than likely it's not, but who knows? Like, DNA is not as cut and dry as we think it is a lot of the time. Something I'm slowly... I'm getting upset learning about because I'm like, no, <laughs> if there is part of a person there, it must be easy to figure it out. No, apparently yeah. it's not. 
Hollywood um, lied. How dare? It did enhance. Uh, <laughs> it's so fucking shit. Uh, but that's Dior. That's the little boy that they start off with the missing 411. And they go back to him quite a bit. But um, we've covered everything that's the basic sort of details of how we went missing. Uh, they do focus on the documentary on a lot of like, what was grandpa doing? What's going on with this dude, Isaac? Um, yeah. yeah. They The parents act a bit weird, but the parents themselves, the way they're acting weird is pretty understandable when you hear what they're talking like from their point of view because the documentary does interview them basically people were like oh they're very suspicious because she sounds super calm during the 911 call she doesn't she sounds like someone who's barely tethered together going like i need to get this information across but i'm falling apart because my son's been fucking missing for an hour yes um and she didn't want to they didn't want to be on camera and they're like because no matter what we do everything gets twisted around and like you know we want people to find my son we don't want them to look at us and think that we did something and stop looking for him yeah um so yeah they're they're a bit weird but it's quite understandable how they are weird but the granddad is a fucking weirdo so yeah (laughs) it's a really interesting documentary and i would recommend watching it if you want to know a bit more about dior in particular but seeing as we have a lot of cases i thought we would skim over that and get right on down to aaron hedges Nice. Ooh. So Aaron Hedges is 38 years old. He goes missing in September of 2014. Uh, he goes missing in the Crazy Mountains in Montana. They're called the Crazies. Oh. Um, <laughs> it's a really young mountain formation. Uh, it's like the youngest in the USA. And basically on this mountain range, um, if you walk down and you follow a stream, you're going to get out of the mountains. Like this. Okay. You're not going to just walk into thousands upon thousands upon thousands of acres of like forest you'll mm. eventually if you follow it down and follow a creek get out of them um it's handy so he's an experienced hunter he is with two friends and he goes elk hunting with two horses and a mule uh they go on a week-long hunting trip and on the way into the crazies the mule gets spooked and begins bucking supplies off the trail and most of aaron's camping supplies were on the mule and they lose it so he ends up with only his sleeping bag and being experienced hunter who's there every other weekend, one of the men has a cache that's like a couple of miles up in the general area they're intending to go anyway. Okay. So he's like, well, I'll walk ahead and I'll go get the cache. You guys go to the camping place we int- like we meant to go to and I'll meet you there tomorrow. I'll spend the night at the cache and then come back. Hmm. They have walkie talkies with GPS positions so they can see where each other is like they're, and they're very experienced. There's like, we're definitely going to be able to find each other. It's not like yeah. I'm just sending someone out into the wilderness and be like, hope to see you soon. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, Aaron goes ahead. They keep in touch with him. They basically are seeing his GPS position move along. And then at the last point where they catch up with him over the walkie talkie and see his position on the GPS, he's walking away from where he's supposed to be going back to them <gasps> so he's been to the cage and he's supposed to be coming back towards them <sighs> and he's disappeared like he's going a different direction it's right at the edge of their gps uh map that's weird oh yeah. that's that's oh so that's they realize oh, I mean, seeing yeah. him moving makes me Ooh. like oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's so spooky like it. no I don't like it um so they realize the next day he's missing they waited for a day they look for a day and then a storm hit so it snowed up to a meter in 12 hours. 
Oh, oh gosh. God. Yeah, it drops to negative 12 degrees Celsius. Uh, they call the sheriff's department and a search begins and they find no footprints leaving the area. Um, so in a meter of snow, you're going to see something. Yeah. Mm. Uh, either he's gone to sleep somewhere and he's under the snow and he's not waking up, but they should be able to find him at some point because he didn't leave. Yeah. So they get dogs and they search and they find a pair of boots set side by side with a water bladder, a fire pit with a burnt cigarette packet in it, which is Aaron's brand. Nice. And they also find two backpack waist straps. Um, the items are found in the area they had already searched the day before with a professional search and rescue team. So it's not just some bumpkins being like, nope, nothing here. It's dudes who know how to do this properly. Yeah. Nine months later, they find a backpack on a rancher's property. It's still filled with food. It has a gun, a fire starter, everything. It is in view of their fence line. It is in view of their house. Um, oh. Yeah. So the backpack where it's sat would have been looking, the person who had it would have been looking down at a road and buildings that belong to the ranchers. Yeah. Okay. A year after the dude, like, they have found this backpack, um, a dude ranch group on a ride spots a human skull just sitting beneath a dead tree. Oh, God. Um, the police go and investigate and find further remains, a femur, a pelvis, a cell phone, and a jacket that both belong to Aaron, and it's just one to three kilometres away from the backpack. Um <gasps> By air, the remains are about 18 kilometres away from where he was last seen and 8 kilometres away from the boots. And there is no known cause of death. The bones are not broken. The bones were just there, but not all of them. All of this evidence just spawning into reality yeah. at these incremented times is so buck wild. It's fucking wild. What happened? Yeah. So that's Aaron. Now we are going to go on to Jared. So, Jared. Jared. So, two men are hiking in the Comanche Peak Wilderness in Colorado of June of 2003, and mm-hmm. they decide to hike up an elevation of about 600 meters over a rock field to the mountaintop. It's super difficult to rain. Like, these two experienced hikers are basically like clambering up on their hands and knees. Right. And as they're doing it, they spot a little kid's shoe that looks like it literally has just fallen off. It's pristine. Like, in the documentary, you can see it looks like someone just bought it. There's oh nothing on it. Mm. Um, they find out it belongs to Jared Adadero. So in 1999, four years before, on October the 2nd, a group of Christian singles who were staying at a resort in the canyon, which Jared's father owned and operated, decide to go on a hike. Um, three-year-old Jared and his six-year-old sister want to go with the group, and their dad thinks, oh, they're just going on a hike on my property. That's fine. They don't. Uh, They drive up around about 18 (laughs) kilometres sort of thing um, to a trailhead and they begin a trail. And the group ends up strung out along the trail with the two children ahead of the group and no one really taking responsibility for the kids. Oh, the 90s. Yeah, there's just this one woman who's kind of watching them. Um, And she (laughs) realises that she hasn't seen him ahead of her for a little bit and he's just fucking gone. Oh, God. So eight days uh, with a minimum of 65 people from search and rescue groups like canine units, media, etc. Um, perform searches. Uh, and his shoe is the only thing that's found four years later by the two hikers. <gasps> it's literally like 170 meters up the side of a mountain, uh, directly above where he went missing. So there's a, like 170 meters 
between above. where he was and where he was found, like his shoes found. Mm. The authorities go in and have a look in the area and they find his other shoe, his jacket and pants, and his skull cap and one tooth sitting on top of a log. Oh. What? Yeah. So the hikers basically are like, there's no fucking way a three-year-old got up here on their own. Like, we barely could do this shit. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <gasps> the searchers are certain they went over that area and they are certain that canine units uh, signaled at and around that rock field but they never found any animal hairs, any blood, anything like that on the remains or the clothing. The clothing isn't consistent with an attack. It doesn't have significant tears to the areas that would have been attacked, like the belly, anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, The shoes are basically pristine. There's literally like no drag marks. Like if an animal grabbed him and dragged him, their shoes, if they were still on his feet, would have had drag marks on them. And even if they were dragged off his feet, you would assume that you'd see some sort of markings from where that happened there's none yes yeah a- there's apparently no significant human decay present on the clothing so, so he- it wasn't on his body the pants are <gasps> inside out like oh. they've been taken off him and there's no official conclusion as to his death or disappearance and his father doesn't believe that an animal was the cause of his death no holy shit yeah his dad's on the documentary and it's fucking sad man mm. Um, okay, so now we're going to go with 24-year-old Stephen Kubacki, who in February of 1977 goes cross-country skiing near Lake Michigan and he sits down to rest. When he gets up, his own tracks are missing and he becomes disoriented. He remembers walking through the snow, numb and exhausted, and then he blacks out. Mm. He opens his eyes and it's spring. What? What? He's lying in a grassy field in the middle of a forest wearing clothes that aren't his. He has a stranger's backpack with running shoes that aren't his and glasses that don't belong to him or are his own prescription. What the Um, fuck? uh, Yeah. He stumbles into town. He discovers he's in Pittsfield, Massachusetts, uh, 235 kilometers away from where he had been. Um, Sorry, no, that's wrong. I think it's uh, 235,000 kilometers. Mm, Mm-mm. He's a long fucking way away. Like, states away from where he had been. Uh, He goes home and his family is shocked he's been missing for 14 months. (gasps) Yeah. Um, When he was reported missing, his skis and poles were found, with one set of footprints walking to the water and none leading away. So he was assumed to be dead. And he's never discovered his whereabouts during that time. Oh, Um, God. He did live, He obviously. He went on to get his PhD and has written some books trying to explore what the fuck happened to him. Basically, he's looking at, like, alternate universes and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. He's That's like, where my mind goes. <laughs> yeah. Where the fuck did he go? He's like, what happened to me? But um, like, it really he, fucked him up. Yeah. Like, he's blinked out of one existence into another and back again. And that that's, like, the only way my mind can fathom it. Yup. Is to be like, it's an, it's an AU. Like... <laughs> Fuck. So that one, that one's sort of fucked up. Um, we do have some. This is terrible to say, but some more run-of-the-mill ones. Um, <laughs> so <Yep. laughs> this is an older one. Uh, 1958 in August. Ten-year-old uh, Bobby Bizup, who goes to a boys' summer camp at St. Malo. It's a big Christian campground in the Rocky Mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, Bobby's partially deaf. He wears a hearing aid. He's fishing at a creek uh, just beside the camp, like really close by. When counsellor tells him it's time for dinner. Um, Bobby acknowledges him, 
begins to follow and the counselor walks off a couple of feet before turning around to check that Bobby is still behind him and he's gone. So oh. they begin searching immediately with like 400 volunteers within four days. Uh, it's officials from police, National Park Service. There's heaps and heaps of people. A lot of them are well trained for this situation. Mm-hmm. Finally, a formal search is called off after nine days and they find nothing except the bait box and stuff he had with him while he was fishing. Oh, God. So next year, three camp counsellors are walking up the side of the mountain that the camp sits on and they find a hearing aid, bits of clothing and some bone fragments and it is confirmed to belong to Bobby Bizzup. He was in a uh, ravine that they had searched three times the year before. Um, Downhill following the stream is almost a straight line from where his remains were found. He would have been able to see the camp. There's a giant fucking statue of Jesus on the side as well <laughs> of like this mountainous area where the camp is. And the like the building that the camp is situated around is a really like big old church. And that's massive as well. Like mm. kind of hard if you think about where he's found to be like, how the fuck didn't he know where he was? Yeah. Mm. Um, and it was extremely difficult terrain to walk up to get to where he was found. Mm. Uh, then we have two-year-old Keith Parkins. Um, in 1952, he goes missing in April. Uh, he's visiting his grandparents' ranch with his mother in Oregon. Yeah. Um, Keith and his older brothers go into the car- barn to see a new calf, and his mother calls them in for lunch. The older brothers come. Keith doesn't. Mm. So the brothers said he went around the barn... He didn't go inside it. So they start searching immediately. 200 people search through the night and they find his footprints five kilometers away. Uh, they find him face down in the snow the next day at 7 a.m., eight kilometers further away from the footprints, 13 kilometers total as the foot, like the crow flies from where the barn is. Mm. And uh- it's not possible to actually walk that distance in 13 kilometers, though. It was more likely he walked 20 kilometers. Okay. He's- Found face down in the snow, his face is scratched, his clothing ripped, his hat and coat are beside him, but he's alive. He's two years old and he has no idea how he got there. Oh, <gasps> oh he's alive? Yeah. He oh, shit. Yeah, they interview him in the documentary and he's like, I don't know, but this is what I was wearing. <laughs> <laughs> I was too fucking hell. <laughs> oh, wow. Holy shit. Exactly. Um, I'll skip a couple of these because they're normal. Uh, let's go with Danny Philippides. Mm-hmm. So 2018, this is a really recent one. Mm-hmm. 2018. Um, 2018. Mm. He's on a ski trip with his friends in New York. Uh, they're already getting to, like getting ready to go back to the lodge for lunch. They've been skiing all day. Danny wants to go down one more time. Two hours later, he hasn't come down the ski run and he's not answering calls or texts. Mm. So they begin the search. A team of 130 people searching for him that day. And it gets bigger and bigger. Um, six days later, Danny's wife gets a phone call. It's not a recognized number, but between the static, she can hear Danny's voice. He's really incoherent and confused. And then he hangs up. Uh. She calls him back and begs him to call 911. He actually does answer when she calls him back as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. He does what she asks him to. He calls 911, describes his surrounding, and he's fine wearing all his ski gear, medically unsound, like he's not well. In a yeah. brand new iPhone, he's got a brand new iPhone, and he's had a haircut. He's found at a California airport terminal car rental, 5,000 kilometers away, and he has no idea how he gets there. <gasps> Fuck. Yeah. He's super emotional and overwhelmed when people tell him how long he's been missing for as well. He says oh, he has God. no idea how long he'd been missing. 
Oh, it makes oh, me feel Jesus. sick. I know, it's horrible. It actually makes my stomach drop. And now I'm scared that now I know this is a thing that can happen. It's going to happen to me. <laughs> Don't <laughs> so go I, in the woods alone. ISO is yeah. fucking me up. I'll just stay at home. <laughs> Fuck yeah. coronavirus. I just don't want to get... Here, so it'll, it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get sucked into an, an alternate dimension and spat <gasps> back out again. Fucking hell. Oh, it gets weirder. Yes, please. Yes, please. More, 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 more. Okay, so... We have an older man now, Thomas Messick. He's 82 years old. Oh, um, November 2015, he goes missing in northeast New York, a place called Albany. Yep. He mm-hmm. is a U.S. Army veteran. Uh, he's extremely experienced. He's taught hunting. He has one eye after gunpowder blew up in his face and he's hard of hearing, but he just gets around fine. Um, <laughs> he's good it's about very endearing it, yeah. already. <laughs> yeah, but he goes hunting with a group of seven people, and they're using walkie-talkies. And basically, the technique they use is the older guys sit down, and the younger guys drive the deer towards their dads. Um, so he doesn't really have to do anything. No. Like, okay. Yeah. He's just gonna have a good time. They're out yeah. hunting. He, he just doesn't to need to do anything. Shoot. Exactly. Yeah. He's been through it. <laughs> he's <Yeah>. gonna relax. <laughs> Um, they split up and they drive the deer towards the older men who are sitting, uh, and Thomas, they didn't find anything, like, there's no deer, so they're just like, well, fuck. Mm. Um, and they all gather together at 3pm as they, like, previously agreed, uh, except Thomas doesn't come. There's no shots, no one shot anything, no one fired off any rounds, so he hasn't gotten hit by accidental gunfire. Mm-hmm. There's no animals spotted, so, you know, he yeah. probably hasn't been gored by something and is lying in the ground. Mm. They go searching into the night. Um, a search and rescue is organized with dogs and air search, 100 plus people in a trained search bump line grid, which is basically, this is a search t- uh, technique where you s- get the whole area where they're expected to be, like you sort of anticipate, okay, well, if he can move this quickly, this in the time that he's been missing, this is the furthest he could have possibly gone. Yeah. And then you go a little bit further and you set up a bunch of string in a grid formation and then you get everyone to walk uh, again, like fingertip to fingertip mm. um, from one side of the grid and you bump into the line and you turn around and you go back again. And then okay. you move progressively through the grid until you've done the whole fucking area. Yeah. Okay. So like very thorough. They're not just sort of like, he's not over here. <laughs> yeah. um, they're doing this very like, yeah. rigorously. Um, they don't find shit. Uh, they never find a single trace, not a walkie talkie, not his clothing, not his gun, nothing. And it's not like those things disintegrate. Clothing might, but a gun fucking doesn't. And it was a walkie talkie, which he had the whole time and knew how to use. Um, the FBI arrive and the FBI don't go searching for missing adults without very specific criteria. And this is just an 82 year old hunter who goes missing. Yeah. There's no reason for them to be here. Prior to Tom going missing, one of the hunters reported hearing a really loud snapping like a large trap had gone off. <gasps> oh, no. Yeah. So that's pretty bad. Um, there are clusters, like quite a few of these are picked from different areas, uh, but there are like, there's a Santa Fe cluster um, where basically one of them is a woman who's 75 years old in very good health goes uh mushroom picking at a ski resort with her husband they get separated thunderstorms disrupt the search five days later she's found way way off from the primary search area lying in a fetal position naked in four to five inches of water in a creek she's face down but there's no known cause of death oh 
Yeah. So she didn't drown. She has no signs of hypothermia, no physical injuries. Apart from the paradoxical undressing. Exactly. She was yeah, just placed that's something there. I want to get to as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's a lot of undressing happening. Yeah. We like so to be naked in the woods. Costume well. changes. Costume changes. This is actually <laughs> something that Sky comes clad. up a lot. And it's so weird that it comes up a lot because like so mm. when you get severe hypothermia, it's not unusual to do this thing called paradoxical undressing, which is where you think that you're actually hot and you yes. take off your clothes. And it can yes. happen with shoes as well, so it's not weird that, like, they found boots and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it actually, in urban areas, a lot of the time people who get hypothermia in urban areas, they're often initially thought to have been sexually assaulted, but it's just they got fucking hot and they took off their clothing. Um, that makes a laughing. lot of sense. It's no. Probably got sexually like, assaulted that... by whatever the fuck was in the woods. Bigfoot. Maybe. <laughs> like, yeah. Fuck. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so ready to go deeper. Please tell me you've got more. <laughs> I have many. Yes. Um, I won't go into the really boring ones. I'll still keep picking the ones that are... Like, they're yeah. not boring. This is terrible. A person going missing is not boring, but after a while, if I'm just sitting here repeating to you the same things, yes. the names don't mean anything anymore. Mm. The unusual um, ones is what we want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm trying to pick ones that will get people interested in this because... I think when people go missing, a thing that's really important is getting the word out there. Even if it's years later, somebody yes. somewhere hopefully will know something or see something or come across something. And you never know what reunites someone with their loved one or their loved one's remains or at least just gets closure. Mm. Yes. So in the Santa Fe area cluster where Audrey went missing, um, there is also 61-year-old Melvin Nadell. There's actually like 12 or 13 in this cluster, but these okay. are sort of ones that stood out um in 2009 he goes hunting with two friends they arrive like two in the afternoon uh he had a slight injury from a day or two prior just in his knee from like falling over Mm. um he went to a group of trees around about 100 to 150 meters down the trail and his friends went up the trail together he made a tree blind that the canines later tracked to so that's like basically a weird little sort of shelter thing that just hides you from the animals okay it's something you do in hunting. I don't know. I don't shoot stuff. <laughs> um, he totally disappeared. Uh, they call search and rescue, helicopters and dogs. Everything comes out as per usual, as is over and over again what happens in these missing persons cases. And they never discover anything again. No weapons, no possible attack ground where an animal might have got him. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, similar again is Daniel Vigil, Stanley Vigil, sorry, um, 2017 in November. He's a 54 year old hunter. He's with a father and a friend looking for some deer and they're driving down a road looking for deer and one runs across the road in front of them. So he jumps out and runs after it. And suddenly as he runs away, rain and heavy fog hit, uh, and his father and his friend lose him in the woods trying to run after him as he runs after this deer. Oh, God. Uh. (laughs) Professional trackers, dogs, helicopters, nothing shows up. Five months later, an off-duty police officer finds a body while fishing. Uh, There are skull injuries and two broken ribs, but no confirmed cause of death. He's nine miles from the point of separation over extremely difficult terrain. I mean, after all, you just fucking give up, you know, the deer and just go back. Yeah, right. 
Turn around. But the fog, the spooky fog. Mm. The spooky fog, those weather events we talked about. Yeah, the weather is really fucking me up with how it, it just seems to sweep in. Yeah, like obviously these are... Weather around mountainous terrains and shit is usually foggy and gross. Um, yes. Because like mountains, especially in their plains and things like that, um, actually like draw clouds and create them a lot of the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, but... Yeah, it's still weird how it just happens so suddenly, mm-hmm. so quickly. And then it's only ever when you really don't want it to. Um, and often, a lot of the time that they pointed out, it's unseasonable weather. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, okay, this this one's a bit bizarre, and the next one's quite bizarre as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. 2014, a medical doctor, not just a regular doctor, Okay. Medicinal, um, a medicinal, <laughs> medicinal doctor. So he's someone who knows a bit about when you get hurt, what to do. Yeah. Yes. Um, James McGrogan, he goes on a snowboarding trip. Uh, he has a cell phone and GPS with him. And his friends lose sight of him along the trail and don't see him again along it. Um, they don't find any tracks veering off the trail, neither them or the search team. And mm. his body is discovered five days later in a contorted position with his skull crushed. Contorted. Oh, contorted. Yep. It's particularly mangled, apparently. Mangled. Um, His positioning. Um, He's 4.5 miles. I forgot to convert that to kilometres. Sorry. Uh, So it's around at 10 kilometres, I think. Uh, As the crow flies, um, minimum walking of 14 miles up mountains. So it's not just like across a street at 14 miles long. Um, And he was snowboarding at the time, so... Yeah, uh, he was actually doing a thing that's like um, split snowboarding, which is where you snowshoe and snowboard as well. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, exactly. It's just so you can like do it as a trip. Yeah, uh, okay. But yeah, they find him at the bottom of a frozen waterfall. Uh, the search party had gone over that exact area multiple times. He's wearing no boots or gloves and they are never located. Um, his cell phone and GPS is still working and have signal and he never called for help. Oh, yeah. Then we have Dennis Martin, who's a six-year-old in the Smoky Mountains in 1969. He has his brother, grandfather, and father with him camping with a man. Uh, they're camping, and then a man with his own children at the campground approaches Dennis's father and asks if their kids want to play together. Yeah. Okay. They agree, and the kids are playing hide-and-seek. Dennis's father is literally watching them do this. He watches Dennis run over to a tree at the clearing edge and hide behind it, and then he doesn't see him again. Oh, the kids, God. I know, exactly. The kids all jump out and reveal themselves, but Dennis doesn't. Oh. He checks behind the tree. He reckons he's been looking at this tree the entire time because he can see that's where his kid went. Fair. And he's playing with kids he doesn't know. Um, and he goes and looks behind it and he's not there. He runs to the tree and he's not behind it. Uh, they spend the whole night looking for him with park rangers, with green berets, which is like a specialised group from mm. some mm. part of the military. I don't really know. <laughs> I should have Googled that. Uh, the forest sector. Yeah. In six weeks, they discover one shoe, one sock, and no body. Oh. The weird part of this one is that another family camping the same weekend nearby reported hearing a scream and seeing a bear or wild, hairy mountain man hiding behind trees and carrying something on its shoulder. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. <gasps> yeah. Oh my god. Oh, Sasquatch. The what? guardian of the forest. 
So this is the point where it starts to get a bit weird. So in the second documentary, which is called The Hunted, yeah. using 411, um, both of them are very well put together and I would recommend watching them genuinely, especially if you're bored, you can rent them online for quite cheap. I'll I say give life. you more info at the end. Yep. But at the end of the second documentary, he goes with a bunch of dudes um, who are quite old, like over into the mountains. Uh, sorry, I'm just trying to find my notes about it. There's a lot going on here. There's a lot of notes. <laughs> there's a lot of notes. Um, basically, there's another cluster of disappearances in like the 1950s uh, around this 6,000 foot elevation just outside of Yosemite. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called the Sierra Camp in the documentary. And basically, these four old guys who've been going there since the 50s um, had like a secret camp there and they wouldn't actually reveal where it was. Uh, oh. And when they took the documentary team there, they had to promise not to reveal where it was. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's extremely Ooh. remote. Like, it takes them days to get there. They have to go with horses to get all their shit there. Oh, God. Why would you bother? <laughs> I know, exactly. I'm like, it's, you know, hate- Yosemite, everything's pretty. Yeah. yeah. This little this little homebody's like, no, it's too far. <laughs> exactly. No, I'm not fucking going out there. Um, not I get now. I camping on someone's property. I'm like, what's out here? <laughs> Certainly not uh, going camping now after all this, this has happened. Exactly. Continue. Well, do you guys, have you heard of, hey, I'll be interested in you if you haven't. Mm. Have you heard of Samurai Chatter? No. No. What is oh, that? Fuck. What, what does How it mean? Do not know. Oh, you'll love this. Um, oh, I mean. So it's the term that they use for a particular type of audio recorded that is associated with Bigfoot sightings. <gasps> oh. Because it sounds weirdly like a mix between like big apes and unintelligible human speech that kind of sounds like the vocal patterns of um, Japanese or some uh, dialects from China and things like that. So it's kind of insensitive to call it that, but they call it samurai chatter. Fuck. My jaw is on the floor. You, is, is Totoro killing people? <laughs> Maybe. Well, the, well, well. Oh, this is Bigfoot. Different things. <laughs> the child does go missing for a very long time, and then she does show up again. Maybe she actually is a troll, and he ate the real little girl. <gasps> is Totoro a secretly a four one one? Yep. Retelling. Oh Holy shit! <laughs> so, in the documentary, you get to hear some of the samurai chatter that these old dudes had filmed in the fifties, sixties, and seventies with their recorders, because they started hearing it in this location and began bringing video equipment to try and capture it. Oh, oh I keep looking over my shoulder, but my door's closed, <laughs> and I'm really spooked. Oh my god, it's so cool! It's fucking wild. So it gets quite silly. Like some of the credibility of this uh, missing four one one pattern and clusters lose a bit of credibility when you start to bring in Bigfoot, but it's still yeah. creepy as fuck. Oh yeah, um, I just like just I just having flashbacks now to Lacey sending me video collections of scary forest sounds at like three a.m. Yeah. and me watching them at three a.m. Yeah, and being same. very spooked. <laughs> very spooky. Yeah. Um, the documentary tries to be like, yeah, look, there's the sounds that we got experts to look at were like, oh, it's made by a creature that must be bigger than a human, at least eight foot tall to produce that kind of vocalization. Yeah. And 
it's no known like uh, qualities with animals that we know of and all this sort of stuff. And it's it's cool, but at the same time, you're kind of like, all right. But this was a documentary about missing kids, and now you're telling me about Bigfoot, and I yeah. wasn't prepared, so I feel weird about it. Yeah, it's broken the uh, the, the immersion. Your status has dropped here, man. Yeah. yeah, it's it's still very cool. It's yeah. again a well done documentary. And there's one that I want to watch that kept getting recommended to me when I was trying to find it called Skimwalker Ranch, which sounds fucking sick. Oh, Skimwalker Ranch. I know, oh. I know. Um, but anyway, so this there's a lot of disappearances that I have on a list here. I'm going to skip over the rest because they're... There's hundreds. Started, yeah, there's hundreds. There's, okay, so 1,200 cases fit Pilatus's missing 411 profile that he has found. Um, and that's just in North America. He's now started expanding it to uh, international uh, places and, again, lots more fit. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my God. he's written eight books and has these two documentaries on it they're all under the missing 411 category you can find them quite easily um, some interesting details that kept popping up throughout these all these notes and stuff were in the last hundred years in Canada and the USA there's only been 14 fatal mountain lion attacks um, mm, that's... there's been yeah exactly yeah. it's wild there's been slightly more bear attacks that have been fatal, um, but there's always in these cases, and there's less wolf attacks, all in these cases, there are remnants. There's remains left behind. There's signs that it happened. Um, yeah. yeah. There's never just a person completely missing and yeah. gone, and there's nothing to show for it. Um, the National Park Service confirmed that they do not have a list of missing people within their parks across the USA. Uh at all, they probably apparently. should. They probably should do that. Um, well, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Politis um, has tried to get one for years and years from them, and they've basically come back and been like, "It will cost us one point four million dollars to do that." So then do yeah. it. <laughs> um, there's a petition to compile it, and there's uh, the Can-Am Missing Project that now is a thing. Yeah, um, it is a volunteer one, as far as I can tell. Uh, they do have a couple of podcasts that you can find on YouTube. Um, where they interview Politis and look into this sort of thing. Um, it's pretty interesting. Uh, but basically, yeah, like we were talking about earlier, obviously a lot of these details are kind of like, eh, paradoxical undressing could explain the clothing thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, you know, if someone took off their clothes and then got attacked by something, maybe the clothing wouldn't be ripped, etc. Yeah. Um, but being clean for, like, years after yes. some of those being found... Like, nah, done up. Doesn't The dude up. that just like fucking woke up and it was spring and was like, Bleh. oh, that's fucked. And he was, and the dude who woke up with a haircut at an airport. Yeah, with a new phone. What the fuck? I know exactly. Um, so I wanted to at the end here because I didn't really use Wikipedia, but okay. when I did use Wikipedia, it had these details on there, and I thought it was really funny. I found these first. And then I went back and looked at everything else. But so Politis has self-published, besides the Missing 411 series, two Bigfoot books. Mm. So he's really <laughs> into Bigfoot. He um, likes he, the Bigfoot. He loves it. He never, when he was first doing the Missing 411 a couple of years ago, which is when I first found out about it, mm. he never like specifically turned around and was like, okay, so I think it's Bigfoot. Yeah. Um, he was just like, look at all this interesting shit. Mm-hmm. Why is it happening? And everyone was like, 
why? Mm-hmm. Um, now he's started to talk about Bigfoot a bit more. We're like, oh, okay, you're one of those, right? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. He published a paper in um, 2013 where he claimed that Bigfoot was real. And mm. he had documented um, an analysis of 11 samples of hyposynthesized Bigfoot DNA. Uh, uh. And it was written by 11 different authors. <laughs> um, uh. And it press released prior to the peer review that was supposed to happen for their paper claimed that the DNA sequencing study confirmed the existence of a hominin hybrid crossbreed between modern humans and an unknown primate. Ah. Uh, but the paper was analysed later by uh, Sharon Hill of Doubtful, Doubtful News and the Committee for the Skeptical Inquiry and a couple of other people as well. It's not just this chick. But mm. she was like... There's not a lot going on here that makes sense. Uh, the few experienced geneticists who viewed the paper had a very low opinion of it. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then Kyle Polich, he's a data scientist and he hosts a podcast uh, called Data Skeptic. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't get a chance to check it out, but I do want to. He documented his analysis of Pilatus' claim about missing four ones specifically and presented his analysis in 2017. Uh, He concluded that all these unusual disappearances represent nothing unusual at all. Instead, they're explained by non-mysterious circumstances uh, like falling into sudden health crises, being alone, being immobilized, drowning, bears and other animal attacks, environmental exposure, deliberate disappearance. Yeah. Um, After analyzing all the missing persons data, he concluded that these cases are not outside the frequency that one would expect or that they have anything unexplainable about them. Um, but they do. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Um, so I genuinely think you should look into it because it's fucking wild how many of these disappearances are so similar and how many there are full stop. Like I started to get into the ones in Australia and I noped out because I was too scared. <laughs> oh, dude, I've, I'm just, I just know as soon as we hang up this this call i will be on the computer until like 3 a.m tonight looking it up and i'm going to scare myself shitless because i live not too far from many (laughs) walking trails national parks and the like i have something supplementary for you and anyone else who would like to go further yes i originally found out about missing 401 because of a no sleep series on reddit called i'm a search and rescue officer for the u.s forest service and i have some stories to tell The user is search and rescue woods, all one word, mm-hmm. search and rescue woods. Yeah. I would recommend it is such a good series from No Sleep before No Sleep started to go to shit. Um, it's amazing. It's really, really interesting. It's so matter of fact that it, it feels really real. It's not mm-hmm. the kind of story you tend to get on No Sleep nowadays. It's just someone yes. like, hey, this is what I found that happened to me. And then over yep. the course of the series, they start to be like, other people have realized I'm compiling these stories and they've started to tell me theirs. So this is what I've got for you now. <gasps> Ooh. The stairs in the woods. I, if you've yes. Ever heard, that's from this. Oh, oh shit. Yeah. Exactly. Cause there's a whole like very niche subculture around stairs in the woods now. Yep. This when it comes like to like, yeah. When it comes to like spooky shit on Reddit, there's like a whole niche little pocket of just stairs in the woods stories. It's so spooky. It's so fucking bomb. scary. So yes. I don't like the stairs in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's that's missing four one one in a very brief nutshell. I tried to make sure I got everything that was, uh, you know, 
pretty interesting at the face value, but there's so much more that you can find. Like, I've got four more pages of cases that I skipped over here just in very broad strokes. (laughs) Stay Um, tuned, 411 Part (laughs) 2 coming soon. It's very interesting. It's really cool. It's really weird. Uh, The documentaries are well worth your time. They're about an hour and a half each. You can find... um, The first one's really hard to find. Uh, I ended up finding that one... God, where did I find it? Um, Microsoft Films and TV, uh, which okay. is an app that you can get for free um, if you've got Windows. Mm. Uh, and basically, I think I spent like $4 and I downloaded it on there. And it was worth my $4. Cool. Um, and then The Missing 411, The Hunted, which is uh, specifically about hunters that have gone missing. And that does include the Bigfoot uh, samurai chattering, if you wanted to watch that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, that's super, super easy to get. That's just on YouTube. And that's about dollars again i think maybe Amazing. slightly more um would recommend yeah they're very cool they're very well put together docos even if politis turns out to be a bit of a bit of a weirdo but i'm into <laughs> it i like his weirdness um i also used mm, top tens.net top tens with a z yes um for <laughs> oh yeah a, a brief overview of some of their favorite missing form on cases i use the Kenna missing project interview which is available on youtube um, I went on the Canon Missing Project website, which deals a lot with the missing four on one. Very briefly, use Wikipedia, and yeah, that was my sources. Mm. Amazing! Thank you so much. Yay. Holy shit! <laughs> Something to distract me from the quietness of my empty house. Probably not the best thing to use, but I'm gonna I'm gonna use it. Fuck. No, no, you have to be terrified and alone. Yeah. Oh, hooray! Yay. Excellent yeah. stories, Hacks. Yeah, no, they were good ones. Excellent. They were very, very good. Very... Well done, team. I like. Well them done. Dude. Good time. I loved it. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you for listening, folks. Uh, if you would like, you can check out weirdsisterspodcast.com for all links to our socials. Uh, leave us a like and a review on Apple Podcasts if you have time. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, and suggest us a topic if you've got one. Um, yeah. We spend a lot of time on the internet looking at stupid shit but we can't look at all of it no, we um, there's, direction. Yeah, there's always going to be something cool that we miss so if you know something weird you want us to cover please let us know you can contact, contact us through Facebook uh, Twitter, Instagram our email is wizardspodcast at gmail uh, hit us up yeah, yeah. talk to us Review us. We're on Apple Podcasts. We have a Facebook group. Review us on there. Give us reviews. We want validation. Please. We need validation. We need something. <laughs> little, a crumb of serotonin in this trying time from you. Please. <laughs> we may not deserve it, but we want it. We are brats. Please. Please, sir. Well, right. thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great Until day. Until next time. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.